The Daily Tap is live for Wednesday. We are talking Packer Dolphin storylines. We're also chatting about the Marquette Golden Eagles and why it is an enjoyment to have a team that is unexpectedly good. I know they lost yesterday. It was a bullshit loss to Providence just with all the free throws. I still want to talk about like the passion and the excitement and everything else that goes into it. Um, I think there is more to it. Uh, we'll also get into uh, Chris Middleton's injury and why I'm not worried about him missing some games here. Uh, not going to push the panic button just yet. And then lastly, we will talk about some tapping the keg announcements. I'm not going to necessarily say these are goals, but I have some announcements. Uh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I'm just going to put it at the end of the show. Uh, so you can either skip over it or we can either we can discuss it. And I'll, I'll elicit feedback. And where I'll elicit feedback is whether it's Twitter on Tabbing the Keg, whether it's Instagram, Tabbing the Keg Sports. I don't get a lot of TikTok DMs, but you can DM me there if you want. Tabbing the Keg Sports there as well. Uh, we have had some good content uh, going up the last couple of days. Um, also, uh, we're on Facebook at the same token, Tapping the Keg Sports. Make sure also that you are subscribed to our podcast. I think you most of you are, but if you're not for some reason, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts, uh, make sure that you're leaving our reviews. Uh, that's our Christmas gift. We have not seen one review this month of December. I really appreciate at least one. Like I've said this all fucking December and not one goddamn review. Uh, so it hurts. I'm not going to lie. Uh, that shows you it's like, who's really listening? Who really cares? Um, it's, yeah, it's a little dramatic, but I would love a couple Christmas reviews here. Even if you just want to tell me to fuck off and you're like, Charlie's too thirsty for reviews. One star. I won't be mad at you. I, I, I understand that. I get that. Uh, I deserve it. Uh, so, but yeah, uh, make sure you're leaving a review and hopefully you're talking to us about your friends and your family over the Christmas holiday, uh, what we have going on here, because we'd really appreciate that. All right, let's waste no more time with my begging and let's talk about Packers and Dolphins. So Green Bay Packers get ready for their biggest game of the year. No question about that. Uh, Green Bay facing off against Miami. Green Bay knows that they need to win this game in order to keep their playoff hopes alive. Uh, many are thinking that is a little too late, thinking that Green Bay does not necessarily have what it takes to finish this deal. That said, this, as I said yesterday, it's all about belief. It's all about just really you know, embracing the in-the-hunt lifestyle and understanding that, yes, this is going to be an uphill climb. It's very possible that Green Bay falls down that hill and that they are eliminated from the playoffs. And we all know that. We all recognize that. I think we're not ignorant to that fact, right? I think we just know that, yes, there is an opportunity and you should relish in it. And Miami is a hard opponent. Miami is a team that is in a similar must-win situation. Now, granted, they could still lose this game and make the playoffs. They have ample opportunities. The last two weeks of the season, playing two division rivals with New England and New York, where they win those two games, they're likely in the playoffs. So I wouldn't say it's as much of a must-win for Miami, but the fact that they have lost three straight games uh, you know that the Dolphins want to get to their winning ways. And we'll kick off the storylines with talking about how good the Dolphins have been at home this season. They have really had a home field advantage. I don't think anyone considers Miami to be this destination where it's like, wow, really hard place to play, right? Like Buffalo, Green Bay, 
Uh, I think Pittsburgh would be in that mix. Uh, Baltimore, I, I always associate having a really good home field advantage. I would never consider Miami to be part of that, right? Like, I, I just don't. I, I But that said, the Dolphins have been really good. They've been 5-2 and two at home. They've been very good defensively at home. Uh, some of that, though, are 5-1, and one, excuse me. Uh, so they've, they've been even better than I said they were. So they're going to potentially be 6-1 and one here if they were to beat the Packers. Now, I will say a little bit of that is sort of fraudulent. Uh, just like, like, let's be honest there. They did beat Buffalo. That credit to them. They beat New England at the beginning of the season. So that was a good win. So those two are are really solid. But I do think they have a home field advantage in in September, similar to what the Packers have in December, where it's just extreme heat versus extreme cold. And I think teams who are not from that area are ill prepared for it. Then they played Minnesota at home. And that was their only loss, but that was Teddy Bridgewater. Skylar Thompson at quarterback. Uh, they beat Pittsburgh, who's not good, not a playoff team. They beat Cleveland, who's not a playoff team. They beat Houston, who's definitely not a playoff team. So they necessarily haven't had the, easy, the hardest home schedule besides that, that win against Buffalo. Uh, so I, I do take it a little bit with a grain of salt. Uh, I just, I, you have to, right? But they, you, you know, the facts are facts. They've played really well at home and they've definitely made it a home field advantage. But the question I have is how much of a home field advantage is it going to be with the rabid Packer fans? There are always Packer fans at away games, right? No question about it. But with a Christmas Day game in Miami where there are people who winter or who spend the, the winters in Florida, there's going to be a ton of fans. And you're going to also have people who are like, fuck being up here in cold-ass Wisconsin. The weather is going to be terrible. Snowstorms, stay safe uh, this weekend, by the way. And they're like, we're going to go down to Miami and we're going to not only live it up and have a great weekend, we're also going to watch our Green Bay Packers try to keep their playoff hopes alive. And some people probably have planned this out since when the schedule came out, right? So... It's going to be a bigger crowd from the Packer side than maybe what they've seen. Maybe Buffalo is the only other one that would have a similar sort of crowd setup. But I could I could make an argument that it's going to be even louder and that the home field advantage that maybe Miami has built here is not going to be as significant because you're going to get an influx of Packer fans, whether it's in the Florida, Miami area, whether it is those who are there for the winter or those who are just traveling because they want to get away from the Wisconsin cold. I haven't looked at the temperatures, but I'm sure it is absolutely lovely compared to the negative degree weather that we are going to be dealing with in Wisconsin on Christmas Day. So let's pull it, pull up the weather, get you a little uh, Jim Cantori. Actually, it's going to rain, interesting, on Sunday. So And they, they do not have a roof. They kind of have like a pseudo roof. So you'll still have the rain. But yeah, 50% chance, only 60 degrees in Miami. Actually, they, they suffer a similar cold front. So 60 in Miami is going to be cold for a lot of people. I still, if you're in Wisconsin, like 60 degrees is shorts weather. Like we, you'll take 60, right? Uh, but it's 79 or 80. That actually, weirdly, um, I wasn't going to talk too much about the weather, but that weirdly works the Packers' advantage from a storyline perspective because 
I think 70, 79, 80, which is what we're seeing Wednesday and two, Thursday, that, that's a lot. That's a lot to go from being in the cold to being in the, I wouldn't say extreme heat, but that going into the heat, the fact that it's only going to be 60 degrees is going to feel nice for Green Bay. It's not going to necessarily feel like you have to get extra hydration and cramping going to be in it. It won't be. So that's a huge boost for Green Bay and maybe a little bit of a downturn for Miami. I think another huge storyline, obviously, is the explosive plays and how do you stop them, right? Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell have been electric this season. No question about it. They have torn up fields up and down. Tua has found them deep more times than not. Tyree Kill in space is one of the scarier guys out there. Now, thankfully, Joe Barry, who has not been good this year, does have some game tape on Tyree Kill and how to stop him. Now, the Packers do have some experience playing Tyree Kill uh, last year when the Packers were able to help hold the Kansas City Chiefs to 13 points uh, when Jordan Love had to go in for Aaron Rodgers because of COVID. And Tyree Kill had four catches for 37 yards. He had 11 targets, uh, but Green Bay was able to kind of keep him at bay. Uh, he also had a run for a negative four yards in that game. So one of the worst Tyree Kill performances likely from last season was on the hands of this Green Bay defense. And that was probably one of the best Green Bay defensive efforts that we saw all season. So can they emulate that? Can they figure out how can we slow down Tyree Kill? Now, Kansas City did not have a guy like Jalen Waddell. You could argue McCole Hardman was kind of like that, but he doesn't hold a candle to what Jalen Waddell is. So how do you, how are you able to contain both? Are you able to contain both? Is there a philosophy where you let one go off and the other one you just kind of keep at bay? Can you survive that way? I'm not sure. Uh, I know Joe Barry is going to need to step up here. I hope to that the relationship that Mike McDaniel and Matt Lafleur have, Matt Lafleur, or uh, Mike McDaniel, excuse me, called Matt Lafleur like his number one best friend. Like said, like he is his number one guy, like the best guy. I should say best guy, not best friend. Best guy that he knows. So there is a really strong relationship between Mike McDaniel and Matt Lafleur, and they're they're really close. So I do wonder, will Lafleur sort of be more involved defensively? Knowing the tendencies, does the fact that Green Bay played the Los Angeles Rams last week, does that help that help Green Bay's defense? And they've seen a lot of these concepts and they know exactly what to expect. Obviously, everybody's a little bit different. And LaFleur's had great success against Sean McVay. He has not done well against Kyle Shanahan. It has not gone well. Now, granted, regular they've won the last two regular season games. I know San Francisco was pretty beat up the last time they played, or two they played in 2021. But in 2022, I think everybody was full strength. Green Bay won that game. They should have won that game going away. They let San Francisco creep back into that one. But they've at least shown signs of being able to compete with the Kyle Shanahan of chances of the world. So can they do it against Mike McDaniel? I would imagine that Matt LaFleur is much more involved defensively than he usually is because he should know some more tendencies and work with Joe Barry. Joe Barry also, I don't think he ever worked with McDaniel, 
But again, this this should be old hat for him. And I know we're all critical of Joe Barry. I know we all want Joe Barry out of a job. I do too. Don't get me wrong. I've been critical on the bird Twitter. Uh, so it's not like I'm not alone. I'm not trying to defend Joe Barry, but I'm also giving him some credit to say this should be a defensive scheme that might be a little bit easier just based on what he's known, right? What he's figured out. And I, I really do I really do sort of feel better about this game just understanding like the relationship factor. And that's how Mitch talks about it. And if we have Mitch tomorrow, which is unsure, I, I kind of dropped the ball there. Uh, he... He always says they Packer fans convince themselves into the game by the end of it, right? No matter you know how much it looks dire, they'll talk themselves into winning the game by the end of the week. And this is kind of the process where I look at it and I say, okay, yes, two has been good. Yes, this offense has been dynamic. But I do think Green Bay can slow some things down. Did you know and I, I, DVOA is in everything, right? But the Packers are eighth in DVOA against the pass. Did you know this? The pack, like for as much shit as we give the secondary and as, as mad as we are in this, the advanced metrics on the Packer defense from a pass protection perspective is actually good. They actually do a good job in the secondary. J.R. Alexander by Matt Bowen was named the best zone coverage corner in all football. And now Jair wants to be a man coverage guy, but he is thriving in the zone. So for all the shit that we do give the secondary, and I, I worry about the safeties. I really do worry about Adrian Amos and Rudy Ford. And Rudy Ford's very fast. So Rudy Ford is going to have to really probably be maybe more of a free safety to cover Waddle and to cover Hill. But I, they're, they're better than I think we give them credit for. Now, in terms of running the football or in terms of stopping the run, it's not good. They're 32nd. They're the worst team in football, according to DVOA, in stopping the football, stopping the run. And the Dolphins are also bad at stopping the run. They're 26th in DVOA. I believe they're 11th in stopping the pass. So I think this game will really come down to who will actually commit to the run. Who is going to strap in and say, we are running the football and we're going to run it down your throats. I feel like the Packers are more inclined to do that than the Miami Dolphins because Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are very good running backs. And A.J. Dillon has looked the best he's looked all season. Now, granted, this is getting out of the cold for Dillon, so hopefully he'll be okay. But you have Jones and Dillon as a one-two punch. I also think the Packers are going to want to apply some of the ball control stuff they did against Buffalo and try to sort of slow things down, sort of keep the pace a little bit, you know, sort of muted, if you will, and not let Miami get on the field and not make it a track meet. I do think there is a potential that Green Bay will need it to, will need a ton of points in this game. I think making sure that you have as few empty possessions as possible. I've been banging the drum that Green Bay needs to start quick. They didn't start quick against the Rams. It didn't end up biting them. But in this game, if the Dolphins get down, get up 14, it's going to be really hard for Green Bay to come back. It is not going to be easy. Um, and Green Bay is going to need to keep attacking. And if they find themselves in a shootout, well, that's what it is. And they're going to have to you know, combat that. But right now, I, I feel like Green Bay is going to try to muck it up, especially with how the Dolphins can't really stop the run. 
They also have to get to Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, you cannot let Tua just sit back there and wait for the crossers to happen. You have to put some pressure on his face. They did a really good job, you know, against the Rams. Now, granted, the Rams' offensive line is nowhere near what the Dolphins are. Dolphins are much better. So that, that should make it a little bit difficult on the Packers. But can you do some things to make it difficult on Tua? We'll have to see. Uh, it is going to be a really good game. I am very excited for it. I'm excited that the Packers have a shot here. I'm excited that this game matters, that it's not just Jordan Love. And I think if you are not excited for this one, just you need to do something else with your life. I'll also say this is not part of the... Well, it is a pseudo storyline here uh, that I just want to end with. If you are at your Christmas gathering, you're watching this with your family... And you're worried about your fucking fantasy team over the Green Bay Packers, you can fuck right off. Okay? Simply put, I have a ton of Dolphins exposure. I'm in a, I'm thankfully in a, a few semifinals. I think I have a Dolphin in each of the, the leagues I have. I have multiple Dolphins in one league. I would rather the Packers win than me win in fantasy. Okay? Just simply put, if. The game ends and Hill and Waddle and Tua and Mosert, they all go off and do well. That will be nice for my fantasy teams, but I'm going to be pissed off that it happened at the Packers' expense. And that's how you need to approach it. And if you're like, oh, well, oh, Hill scored, that helps my fantasy team, fuck you. I don't care it's the semifinals. Green Bay Packers are fighting for their goddamn lives. All right? So... That's what you should care about. You should not care about your fantasy teams here. You could care about it at 3.30. You could care about it when you're watching Bucks Celtics and you look at your Yahoo app or your Sleeper app or ESPN app or whatever fuck app you're looking at and you see that, oh, Tyree Kill had 20 points. Great. Awesome. Right? That, then that's, that's good. That's good for you. But until then, just chill. All right? You don't need to let your, your family know that you have a bunch of dolphins. You don't need to let your family know that you took the Packers plus six in the money line, all right? Like, no one cares, all right? Don't be that guy. There was a guy at our at our, my in-laws uh, Thanksgiving who was like all about the lines money line and was just going nuts. And I was like, bro, just chill. Like, easy, settle down. Like, we don't need to know about your bets, all right? Like, you know, we, we, all, we all can make them. We just, we don't need to, we don't need to have it, you know, enunciated out into the open. All right, let's move on to Marquette. So Marquette Gold Eagles lost yesterday to Providence 103 to 98 in double overtime. Uh, it was a game Marquette should have had. Uh, it was really a weird game and kind of similar to the Pittsburgh Pirates and PNC Park. Weird stuff always happens in Providence. Like it just never seems like there are normal games against the Providence Friars, and today was no different, right? Uh, so Marquette got down early, looked like they were going to get run out of the gym, looked like it was going to be a just awful game for Marquette and that they just weren't ready to, to play on the road in the Big East. And I had had this topic sort of scheduled where I was like, well, I'll open with this if it's a, you know, a good win for Marquette, if it's something to discuss at a higher level. And I felt like, I had been putting Marquette sort of down the topic list. So I was like, all right, build them back up, you know, everything else. And then uh, Marquette was, you know, came back and Marquette really took advantage in the second half of the first quarter. 
or first half, excuse me, and then the first part of the second half, which Marquette has been known to do really all season. That's kind of been their bread and butter, where they shine. And Marquette had an eight-point lead, and I was listening to a lot of it on the radio because I had errands to run, unfortunately, because of this goddamn snowstorm. And Tony Smith, who I think has gotten leaps and bounds better than what he was when he started as the color analyst for uh, Marquette Radio, Tony Smith was talking about how Marquette just needed one more bucket. They were up by eight points with about five minutes left. And they just needed one more bucket. And they just, if they got that bucket, it seemed like the game would be over. You could put the game on ice. And Marquette could not get that one bucket. Similarly to the Purdue game, a little bit worse because in that Purdue game, Marquette was up, you know, nine or eight or nine, you know, with about nine minutes left. And then Purdue got on a run and Marquette never slowed it down. And Marquette just could not close the door. And they were able to force overtime, which credit to them. But they really should have won this game in regulation. And we should have been talking about Marquette being 2-0 in Big East play, having a week off before facing off against Seton Hall next Tuesday at the Pfizer Forum. But instead it went to overtime. Overtime looked bleak. Marquette was down eight with about two, two and a half, a little under two and a half minutes left. They came all the way back thanks to Tyler Kolick. Tyler Kolick had a big shot to force it to double overtime. And Marquette just couldn't keep up with the fouls. And Marquette was ended up a foul discrepancy at the free throw line of 49 to 19. Uh, it was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, it was one of the worst home cooking things I've seen in a long time. Uh, Rob Doster, who has me blocked on Twitter, so no surprise I disagree with him, uh, said that, oh, that's just, you know, on the road in the Big East. And I, so I, I looked, and if you look at Seton Hall and Xavier, right, who also played last night, Seton Hall was the road team. They shot an equal amount of free throws to Xavier. They also had a similar amount of two-point attempts uh, to each other. So there was no reason for a discrepancy. Georgetown actually shot more free throws than Connecticut, who also was in Big East action last night. Now, granted, Georgetown was more from the, the two-point line than UConn was, so that played into the discrepancy of free throws where the road team actually had more. So this kind of boiler statement, it's just another night in the Big East, is kind of bullshit, right? I, I don't buy that, all right? And, and then, you know, the idea that Marquette wasn't aggressive enough to get to the line by Terrence Oglesby was also ridiculous because Marquette did get to the, like Marquette was attacking the rack. Like that's just such, like it, it looks, I know these guys watch the game, so I'm not going to accuse them of not watching the game, but it, it just feels like it's just, we need a topic for this and we're just going to use these as about as blanket statements as possible and not say it with our chest. So it was frustrating to, to hear that. Because, and it's not like I wanted them to be incredulous and be like, Marquette got robbed here. This is a screw job. But I, I do want to acknowledge the fact that a 30, a 30 free throw discrepancy is a ton. It's not just like 10. It's not just, you know, 11 or 15. It's fucking 30. That is way too much. No matter if you feel that way about, oh, it's on the road to the Big East. And that... There, I think Doster also said, oh, Shocker's going to have nights where there's going to be a 30 discrepancy on the other side. I, I highly doubt that. We'll see. If it does, if it happens, I will eat my words and I'll say, you know what? All right, that's basically revenge for the Providence game. But I highly, highly doubt that. 
So this actually was not planning to be a recap, rather talking through you know the enjoyment of watching Marquette basketball this year. And I know they lost, and I know that's a bummer, and I wanted to acknowledge the fact they lost, and I wanted to bitch a little bit about the free throw stuff. But I, I do take great sort of joy in caring about college basketball again, right? And it wasn't that I didn't care with Steve Wojciechowski. It wasn't that I was completely out on the idea. And we talked a lot about this last year, but last year was kind of the start, right? We're, we're kind of heading up the mountain, which seems to be a theme of today's show. But it, it was, it's a lot better this year. And it's a lot more enjoyable this year because Marquette's good, right? And it's unexpected. They had nine freshmen and sophomores. They were predicted ninth in the Big East. And that unexpected joy when you don't expect to be this great team is so much more fun. I still hold that Marquette is the second best team in the Big East. I, you're not going to go unscathed in the Big East. I would have liked to start out hot and start out like 6-0, 7-0. But it, it, it's still going to be enjoyment. You're still going to want to make sure that you're by your TV for every Marquette game, that you're not missing you know, multiple games. That's, that's the thing. And I think with Wojciechowski and I think with sort of the general malaise, you wouldn't necessarily have that. And I think, too, that could be other sports, right? It could be if the Brewers are expected to be 500 and all of a sudden they're you know, red hot and you have this you know, experience that was unexpected, it's so much more fun. Or a Packer season where maybe they don't see it to be as good as they, they predict and suddenly Green Bay is 13-3. And it's like, wow, this came out of nowhere. I think because of the Packers' success and the Bucks' success and a little bit of the Brewers' success, we've sort of lost that unexpected joy. We've lost that sort of, hey, where the hell did this come from sort of season? Because those don't really exist with the three teams that are professionally here in the state of Wisconsin. Because all of them are really, really good. So you don't have those years, even though I used you know, the Packers as an example and the Brewers as an example, that those don't really happen anymore. Like I can't think of the last Packers season, maybe 20, 2009 with Aaron Rodgers, right? Where it was Rodgers' first year, it was a bad year in 20, 2008, and all of a sudden it's, wow, the Packers are good again. I think maybe you could put 2019, so maybe it's just a 19th, it's a year nine thing in the decade, because that's another one where the Packers had two back-to-back -back losing years. It's the first year of LaFleur. Everybody was burying Rodgers. Everyone was like, Rodgers isn't a top quarterback. And it wasn't a great Rodgers year, but they found a way to win games. It honestly is similar to the 2022 Vikings, uh, where they just seemingly were on the good side of luck every game and it, obviously they got to the NFC championship game and then the luck ran out because they were significantly worse than the San Francisco 49ers so I think those are those unexpected years for Green Bay I think for the Bucs it was kind of the first sort of Giannis year where it's like oh this came out of nowhere right where is this who's this Giannis Antetokounmpo guy like they, everybody knew who Giannis was but you know in the first year no one was pronouncing Giannis's name correctly the Bucks end up being a seventh seed to Toronto it feels differently than you know the Herb Cole years where you just got into the playoffs and that was good enough for Herb Cole and so I think 
I think those are are those years where you just start building your joy for the team again and you sometimes lose sight of that and while I I felt great about Marquette last year I think this year sort of reinforces what Shaka did and that it's not a fluke and this is kind of going to be the expectation going forward as long as Shaka Smart is still here and that's that's just awesome man and I think a Brewer season, honestly, next year, if they're awesome and they're a juggernaut, and they can be, right? Like, they have the pitching to be a 100-win team. I know as crazy as that sounds after last year, and they haven't done much, and still, I, I think they still have what it takes to be a 100-win team, even with not a ton of things happening. So I, I really do like... Uh, that potential and that opportunity and I, I think it just it's a more fun year and I've had a lot of fun cheering from our cut down the stretch and it's definitely something I'm looking forward to in the first part of 2023. Moving on to Chris Middleton the Bucks get ready to play the Cleveland Cavaliers for their third time this year. Uh, this will be the first one that is in Cleveland uh, Bucks did not do well there. Cleveland is a very good road team or home team, excuse me, similar to what we've seen out of the Dallas Mavericks, uh, what we saw out of New Orleans. So that's the said, it's been done before where the Bucks go in there and they basically do not care that you have a good home record. The Bucks have looked much better than the Cleveland Cavaliers in their first two matchups. They have not necessarily really been games. Uh, they were games for the first part of, of them. And then the Bucks sort of laid the hammer down in the second half. They've made some really good adjustments against Cleveland. And I'll be curious to see how Cleveland combats that. How do they avoid sort of the Bucks stampede in the third quarter? Because it's got them in both the game right before Thanksgiving and the game, or it was right after Thanksgiving, pardon me. And then the game, you know, in 10 days earlier, it was kind of a carbon copy. So how does that change on the road? I'm not sure, uh, but the Bucs have done well. And if the Bucs do win this game, they have a tiebreaker over Cleveland. Now, Cleveland has a ways to go in terms of catching the Bucs from a central division or a one seed perspective. But if Milwaukee wins this game, they are then tiebreaker, you know, tiebreakers won against Cleveland. And you don't have to really worry about that fourth game. That fourth game will not matter as much. And you'd really like the Bucs to get this one. And you also then sort of guarantee yourself a 500 road trip, right? Uh, oh, no, actually, you have five against Chicago. You have to play Chicago on Wednesday. I keep forgetting about that one. That's a game I think the Bucks will definitely lose. Although vibes in Chicago are very bad. Uh, they got into a post-game altercation. Now, they did beat Miami last night on the road, so maybe that meant nothing. Maybe it was like, nope, even though we're bad at each other, even though we kind of hate each other, we're still going to just ball, and maybe that's what they needed. Who knows? Maybe it turns around their season for that matter. But yeah, so they have a five-game road trip here. They've won one game. You win again tonight, today. You sort of start building a little bit of a cushion. You'd like to get to three wins here. You'd love to be three and two. Two and three would be annoying, but it'd be fine, right? It wouldn't be the, the worst thing in the world. I'd hate for them to lose three straight games if they were to win tonight and then lose to Brooklyn, Boston, and Chicago. But yeah, uh, I, I really would like to have this one. I think from a tiebreaker perspective, it'd be important. But we're not here to preview Bucks and Cavs, although you know it's worth talking about. Here talking about Chris Middleton, who's likely not to play. Chris Middleton is listed as doubtful uh, with left knee soreness, uh, still sort of recovering uh, from his injury. Uh, and 
it's been a frustrating year for Chris Middleton, right? Uh, Chris Middleton has the wrist injury. Uh, he is able to come back, you know, early December. Then he twists an ankle. He misses a game, be or he missed a, a full game in Houston because of the ankle injury. Comes back for two games, and then he has some knee, knee soreness that has caused him to now miss two more games uh, and a potential third tonight against Cleveland. I'm not ready to push the panic button on Chris Middleton. I'm really not because I truly, truly believe that the Bucs are taking every precaution. The Bucs are not pushing it. The Bucs know they can win without Chris Middleton. And I do think that Chris Middleton is still a very important player to what the Bucs do. I think trading Chris Middleton would be absolutely ridiculous. I don't think that is what Giannis wants. I think Giannis sees him as his Pippen. And I do believe that he is a great number two to onto the combo. I don't know if everybody will fit in exactly like Chris Middleton does. And I do think that it is a matter of time before we see a full bill of health from Chris Middleton. Guys have these years, right? There are just years like this where they are never healthy. But the ultimate goal for Chris Middleton's health is that he is healthy in, in May and June, not necessarily December. So I'm okay that Chris Middleton is not going to play in these games. I want Chris Middleton out there. I think Chris Middleton is beneficial to what the Bucs do. But if it means more experience from Arjan Bochamp, if it means you know more from Bobby Portis, who's been very good this season, that is okay. I think Grayson Allen, too, has been very good. And I think they've had enough to steady the ship. They've beat Cleveland twice without Chris Middleton. Why can't they do it again? I, I'm not going to worry too much about Middleton's health just yet. I think if you wait, you know, a couple more months, you, you know, whether it's, you know, early February or late January, then yeah, I think we need to start having a conversation about, is he going to be ready for the playoff run? Is he going to be able to stay healthy for really essentially three months, right? Maybe even four, if you, if you do the math here, it's April to late June. That, I think, is the part where you at least need to see Chris Middleton stay, you know, consistently healthy for a couple weeks, a couple, uh, a month to just know, like, you're going to have that. I think that's been the criticism for Chris Paul, right? Where Chris Paul cannot sort of stay healthy and you worry about it. Now, granted, Chris Paul is significantly older than Chris Middleton, so... I'm not ready to push a panic button here. I'm not ready to say like, okay, they are unable to rely on Chris Middleton. I think that Chris Middleton will be be there at the end, and I'm not I'm not concerned. So I would say to any Bucks fan that is sort of you know hovering over it, that's saying, oh, we need to trade Chris Middleton. This is not going to work out. I think that's a wrong way to look at things, and I I think you're going to be okay. And I think Middleton is going to be there at the end. I think the Bucs are just taking every precaution and making sure Middleton's right. I also think they want Middleton for that Boston game. They want to make sure that Middleton's there. And I think those Boston games, you'll hear Mitch and I probably talk about it tomorrow, like they just matter more. They do. And we've been saying that for, I think, two or three weeks. And I think if you are looking at it and you're like, we want to make sure we're fully you know, squatted up for that game, you know, maybe you see Middleton back for Brooklyn, so you figure out some of the rotations with Joe Ingles and and Chris, and then you have Middleton 
and the boys ready to roll for Christmas Day. We'll just have to see if we are going to have Chris Middleton for this entire road trip. All right, just a couple announcements, uh, a couple things that I'm thinking about for 2023. I will listen feedback. If you guys have any, uh, hit me up. Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram. I uh, would love to hear from you guys of stuff that you're thinking about that you you might want to see from us. I'm hoping to do more interviews. Um, I know I say that every year. Um, I just have to keep saying it to myself. I think that what I have set up will give a chance to do more interviews, uh, to look at you know different Wisconsin media personalities, to look at people outside of the Wisconsin world that might fit in, whether it's previewing a series you know, for baseball or whether it is talking about, you know, sort of a basketball thing and talking about the box at a higher level than just, you know, sort of how focused we are uh, talking about maybe the NFL draft, uh, you know, different, different examples of, you know, potential opportunities. And, and I know it's probably harder than ever to book people for podcasts because everybody has podcasts, right? You're appearing on so many different shows and things like that. But We'll see if we can get it done. And obviously, I don't have a schedule that fits you know, a lot of people looking to do interviews. And I, I, I acknowledge that. And I think that's part of the reason why we haven't done as many. So I hope that we can. And so we'll see, we'll see on that. Um, the other one that's a little more, I would say, tangible and, and will happen is we're probably going to shift to four days a week. Uh, five days... While it's awesome, while I enjoy doing it every day and I love talking to you guys and you guys are my community, I just know that my life is, is more, I would say tougher, but because I'm, you know, I have a home and I'm a homeowner and I have other things going on, whether it's the gym, whether it's content creation for TikTok, Instagram, I just need a day that's not podcast specific. So I will be informing you guys on days where we're not going to be podcasting. It's not going to be consistent. So I know that probably frustrates you. You're like, okay, I can bank on, I'm not gonna hear from Charlie on Wednesday. I'm gonna try like hell. I'm gonna build a template so I can inform you on Instagram and Twitter on when we will be taping the podcasts every you know Sunday night or Monday morning because I, I think that's important. I'm gonna be in Mexico uh, the second week of the year. So you will not hear from me. It'd be very ironic for the Packers to get to the playoffs and you'll have nothing from me. Um, but I I do expect that you'll have, you know, different things where there'll be some weeks where it's Monday, Tuesday, and then we're off Wednesday and it's Thursday, Friday. Uh, Mitch and I are going to probably continue to try to tape every Wednesday night. So we have Thursday shows for you guys. I think that's going to be consistent. Um, I, I don't think that's going away. We'll have keg jam still. Uh, with Shannon. Uh, so there'll be some weeks where I'll just do podcast with Shannon. I'll do a podcast with Mitch and then I'll have two that are our bookend and then there'll be one day off there. Like today, honestly, would have been the day off for this week because you had Packers Rams that you needed to get ready for on Monday. You had Packers Rams on Tuesday. You, had, you just had Marquette on Wednesday. Well, I want to talk about Marquette, but it, it's okay to miss that. Then you have Marquette or you have Tapping the keg on Thursday and then Friday getting ready. You could also have made the case that Friday was the day off day. So I will have sort of the schedule out. Uh, we're going to start with one. I thought about scaling it back to two. I'm just not there yet. If I feel like the numbers are okay, maybe we'll try to go down to three podcasts 
a week if we're really good about interviewing and things like that. But we're at least going to start with one and see how that goes, see what the numbers look like, uh, and if I'm able to do that and be okay that maybe we don't talk about everything. And if I need to break in and have an emergency pod for like a 15-minute, just here's what I think about a trade that happened or like a massive injury, think hopefully not. But like those type of things, like I will still, I'll still do those pods from time to time. And maybe it will honestly open me up to doing more like Saturday pods when there's awesome stuff that happens on Friday because that does tend to happen from not time and again. So we'll see. But I appreciate you guys. Uh, I, you guys are awesome. Uh, I hope you guys have an awesome Christmas. We'll still be here, right? We're going to do a podcast for Mitch tomorrow, I think, uh, based on his response. I was late on getting out to him. Uh, a little behind the scenes there. So I fucked that up. Uh, so we'll at least talk to Mitch at least one of these days. We are going to do a Monday sort of recap pod with him. So we'll have, we won't have something first thing for you on Monday, but probably by like 10 or 11 on Monday morning, we'll have a podcast uh, for you uh, from Mitch and I talking about Buck Celtics, talking about Dolphins Packers and getting into all of that. And we'll have a few shows next week um we'll probably try to apply the four four shows just understanding not many people are around so that does it for today's show i hope you guys enjoyed it Uh, we'll be back tomorrow we'll talk to you then have a good one and uh, see you then bye